What is up, my beautiful Knowing Truth speakers? This episode is brought to you by Painless Pregnancy. Painless Pregnancy is a group of physical therapists located in South Florida who specialize in helping pregnant and postpartum women prevent dysfunction and heal in the comfort of their own homes. This concierge service has been a game changer for me after my third childbirth, and I am excited to partner with them and offer our listeners 10% off of their first in-home visit using my code NikkiSpo10. Stay tuned to learn more. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to The Know, and I am your host, Nikki Spo. You guys, The Know is not about knowing everything. It's about knowing ourselves. And one of the many things that I have gotten to learn about myself over the last few years of birthing children is the importance of prenatal and postpartum care, especially when it comes to mental health, but also something that is far less spoken about, pelvic floor health which is why I am so excited to host my friends who have been treating me personally at Painless Pregnancy. Yep, that's right. Today, we have not one, but two badass doctors on the show today, Dr. Kat Vigo and Dr. Luli Diaz. Dr. Kat is the founder of Painless Pregnancy and a doctor of physical therapy, specializing in the pregnant and postpartum woman. Woman. Dr. Luli, who is my personal therapist, also boasts a doctorate in physical therapy and is the founder and manager of the Miami branch of Painless Pregnancy. We are going to talk about how it is not normal. Not normal, ladies. You hear me? It is not normal to pee your pants or pee when you jump, etc. or have painful sex. It is not normal to keep looking bloated and pregnant months after giving birth. You do not have to live this way. So listen, this episode is probably going to get graphic, but this is the shit that you need to hear. And this is the stuff you need to hear about taking care of yourself while you're pregnant and recovering from giving birth, okay? This is the stuff that they don't cover at the hospital and maybe your doctor doesn't have the time or the expertise to properly address, okay? so. We are talking about all the down there and all the up here and all the all around things with Dr. Kat Vigo and Dr. Luli Diaz today. Lego. All right. So Dr. Kat, Dr. Luli, welcome to the know. I am so, so, so freaking excited that you're here and that we get to share your wealth of knowledge with my audience. Hopefully we are going to be able to help a ton of women with this conversation and I'm I'm just really so excited to have you here. So thank you and welcome. Thank you. Thank Thank you for for having us. Yes. (laughs) We're super excited. Yes. It's amazing. This stuff really, we need, we need to start like spreading the word on this conversation because people are like scared to talk about it. It's kind of weird, but anyway, first and foremost, I want to give each of you a moment to share like the cliff notes version of your birthing stories, because for both of you, It's what has led you to your passion for prenatal and postpartum physical therapy. So Dr. Kat, go ahead. Tell us about your birthing and postpartum experience. So it really started with my son. He's going to be 11 in January. But when I conceived him, um, 
First, I had some minor complications at the beginning. They said no exercise for almost my whole pregnancy. Um, and then when I went to, to deliver him, I was healthy. I was fine. I was 39 weeks pregnant, kind of scared. Normal, into- right? Like, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 39 weeks along, no signs of any problems and was strongly encouraged to be induced uh, for very little reason. And that ultimately ended up in a fourth degree tear for my lady parts, which if you're not familiar with those terms, that means straight through. Oh, we should show them. Oh, yeah. Would you love to we see have a video? Yeah, we do video. Show us. Would you love to see a visual of how that went down? I want to so, see the visual, yes. So, yeah, this is it? the yeah, space, I think. You. Thank you. She's hold the vagina. Sensitive. Yeah, I got to hold the <clears throat> girl. She's, She's been through a lot. She's been through a lot. So that means from the bottom of your vaginal space all the way through the rectal tissue. Okay. That's a fourth degree tear. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fourth degree tear. One hole to the other. From one hole to the other. It's now a giant. Horrifying. Like that's horrifying. horrifying. Yep. Oh yeah. And I was 27 fit, like healthy, otherwise fine. Right. Good cry for you. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, It was brutal. And I was, a physical therapist, right? So my job involved lifting, pushing, pulling, caring for physical bodies with my physical body. Um, yeah. and I couldn't keep my pants dry in any way after I had him. So, um, How long? oh, it was a long time. So at least a year to recover from that, more or less. Luckily, God blessed me with this beautiful woman. And she literally dragged me to a continuing education course, which whatever, we take a couple every year. And she's like, we're going to do pregnancy. And I was like, that's so random. Like I actually drove to her house, made her get in the car and took her to Jacksonville against her will. Uh For a long time. (laughs) I I love that. Yeah. So did you guys know each other at Florida? Like, were you, were you, did you know each other from before? Okay. Cause you guys both went to Florida. I said that in our little intro. That's where we met. Yeah. yeah. We got so you met at University of Florida. Okay. Got it. Yep. We became physical therapists together. Um, and so really I was, I was shocked by how moved I was in that continuing education course. So to be aware of the fact that there's so many pregnant women who yeah. suffered like I did and so many postpartum women who literally just sat in a corner and cried about it until it finally like put itself together. Um, so to me, that's like the passion behind what I do every day is because 27-year-old me would have loved to have that. And yeah. I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't. 100%. You know, something that I always say is like, who's my target demographic? It's like the older, like the younger version of me is my target demo with this podcast, right? I'm like, I'm like, who am I serving? I'm serving like the younger version of me who didn't know this, who needed somebody to talk to, to, who needed a podcast to like be able to talk about these things. So I love that you, you tapped on that. And Dr. Luli, so like from what I read it, you also had a fourth degree tear, right? Yeah, that was probably like the least yeah. of my uh, complications. Um, so least, wait, like remember <laughs> guys, we tear from the vagina to the yeah. rectal, rectal area and that was the least of her problems. Yeah, so same, my first baby, um, when I was pregnant, I had like this magical pregnancy. Yeah. Like I felt like I was a unicorn. Um, it was just, I mean, I like... It was just great. I felt great. Was I was able to exercise throughout without like any problems. Her and Carlos taught a stadium stomper class at UF the day before the she day, went into labor. Day, yeah. 
That's so nice. I like, I always say to people who I don't actually say this because it would be rude, but when people are like, Oh, I love being pregnant. I'm like, bless your heart. And then I read something that in the South, if you say bless your heart, it's really like saying, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you feel like a unicorn, Dr. Lily, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah. I, I would say that to myself too. No, it was great. Like, and, um, I, Nope, nothing, you know. Um, and then my water broke. It was 37 weeks, so it was unexpected. It was a little early, but still, again, within that normal range. Yeah. So my water broke. Um, I thought I was peeing my pants because I had yeah, no yeah. idea what it was. Like, I was just like, oh, this is so weird. Why am I peeing myself? And, like, it took me all night of, like, playing this game. Like, why is my bed wet? Gosh, I keep peeing myself. For, until my husband was finally like, um, I think your water broke let's go to the hospital. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that could be it. So we go to the hospital, horrible unserious like of events that should not have happened. They ended up like inducing me cause I wasn't progressing fast enough. Um, gave mm-hmm. me sin, put an epidural at the wrong time. Um, I pushed for three hours. The baby got stuck in my birth canal. They used forceps in a vacuum to try to assist him out. In doing that, he ended up with a skull fracture. When they tried to pull him out, he also like something happened to his shoulder and clavicle. Um, and they told me when he was born, like he wasn't crying. And they told me they're like, oh, you know, he's going to have severe brain damage. He won't be able to use, I don't remember, right or left arm, one of his arms. Um, and, you know, I was like, uh, and for the first, like, I want to say like 24 hours, they would come into my room with him. Well, they took him to the NICU and they would come in and measure his head to make sure like the brain wasn't swelling more. Um, so that was horrifying. It was horrifying. Like it was awful. Like it was just like, you don't even know, you don't know what to expect. You're thinking I was 24. That's the other thing. So like, and you had the unicorn pregnancy too. You're like, this is amazing. I'm what in, could it all wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in this land of like bliss. And, um, you know, also when I was in labor, my entire PT class came to the hospital. All 48 of them were at the hospital. And my dad is um, a deacon and he had them all praying the rosary because he knew things. He's also a pediatrician. So he knew things weren't going well. So he had like everybody praying to like for this baby and for me. So after the trauma with the baby, um, they tell me, okay, like it's time to get up and, you know, go to the bathroom. What they, you know, after you have a baby, they make you pee to make sure that, you know, you can go. And you have, sometimes they don't leave you, let you leave the, the hospital till you go number two. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I go to get up and I was like, oh, I can't feel my legs. And they're like, well, it's normal. Your epidural is going to wear off. We'll help you get up and go. So they help me get up and go. And I go to the bathroom and, um, you know, they put me back in bed. Then they put me in the regular room. And my son was born like at three, Yeah, like mm-hmm. at three. And then like at five, I'm in recovery and I'm like, hey, I still don't feel my legs. They're like, yeah, that's normal. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. And then like at nine o'clock at night, like everybody leaves. It's just me in the room with my husband and I have to get up and, you know, go to the bathroom again. My husband's just like not waking up. I'm throwing pillows at him. You know, he had a rough day. Um, and like, he's just not, not moving. <laughs> Um, And so I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going to get up. And I go to get up and I cannot move my legs. Like I cannot. So I have to like physically grab each leg to move it to the edge of the bed. And I sit at the edge of the bed and I stand up like, or I, you know, stand up with my arms and I collapse on the floor. 
And um, so then the call bell and the nurses and everybody's rushing in and, and, you know, they send me for like an emergency um, MRI. They don't know what they did. I had a panic attack in the MRI. So I'm like, let me out of here. And, um, you know, this story could go on forever, but um, what it ended up being was I crushed both of my femoral nerves because of the position I was pushing in. So I was pushing with my knees like up, you can't, can you see? Up to my chest, like both of them up here. And I was in that position for three hours that nobody should be in that position for three hours. Your nerves come out through that junction of your hip and I crushed them. So I had nerve damage and I couldn't walk for about four months after he was born. And then on top, I had the tear and the trauma from like the forceps and the vacuum and and all those things. You guys watched The Business of Being Born? I, I haven't. No, I did not. Okay, I referenced this in like in a previous podcast about how I learned, like I had a really skilled um, midwife teach me how to push properly, like from like my, like I take a deep breath and like I would push almost like from my chest, like down through my, like through my ribs and almost like a toothpaste tube. She gave me this toothpaste tube analogy that you like squish it out from the top, not from the bottom. And because that's how you can really hurt yourself. But anyway, um, the business, the the film for those who are interested in watching it, it's um, it's a documentary about the business of hospitals and how they their goal is to move women. It's literally the business of being born, like the business of the hospital aspect of it. And I'm not knocking hospitals. I've birthed all three of my children in a hospital. I think that there are some amazing OBGYNs. I personally love mine who listened to me and was so caring. Um, but that brings me to talk about Pitocin. How do you guys feel about Pitocin? And either one of you can go ahead and answer this, but I think I have an, I think I have an idea about how you feel about it. Um, I think it is a tool that could be helpful, helpful if used appropriately in circumstances when it's actually, you know, I think it's also used sooner than it should be in a lot of cases. Um, my case would be a perfect example. There were, there was no need for me to have Pitocin when I got it. My labor would have progressed. I mean, I don't know, but it should have progressed um, well without a problem. You know, um, with my other two babies, I did also get Pitocin, but that's because I was like, I was not well, like myself. So I needed labor to be brought on quickly to, you know, so that my, for my risk, um, and everybody turned out fine and it was used appropriately in those other two instances and my labors are completely different. So, um, that's, yeah. What about you, Dr. Kat? Yeah. Um, I empathize with that. And to be clear, that decision is completely outside of our scope of practice. Um, but it is, you know, just having been in the hospital environment for as long as I have, having served pregnant and postpartum women for all these years, I do feel like in general, the interventions not only potentially interrupt what our bodies already know how to do. um, And thank God, like you said, thank God they're there. Thank God we have ways to help. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that kills me as someone who serves postpartum women is it gives this impression like, oh, honey, your body, your body you can't, can't. like, yeah. let me, let me jump in. And yeah. you're like, 
but wait, why? Like, am I, is there something wrong? Am I broken? Is there a time problem? Like, is it bad that I'm still laboring? So it really disrupts our faith in our own bodies. So that to me is like a harsh, unnecessary thing. So to give you some context about like why I even brought that up, it's like, so with my firstborn, I delivered also at 37 weeks because my water had broken and, um, it, there was a partial break. So he was kind of like still hanging out in amniotic fluid and everything was good and whatever. Um, and then they were like, you know, it's been so long. We have to do Pitocin. And I was like, no, like I, so I, I refused it. Yeah. And I, there, apparently there's like another pill that they can insert into your cervix, which is not Pitocin, but it does help, um, to speed things along. And so I opted to have that instead. I don't know the name of it, but that exists. The The argument was you should take Pitocin because if not, you could be rushed into an emergency C-section. There could be, there could be, um, an infection and then you could be rushed into an emergency C-section. And I remember saying, but if I get P- Pitocin and I'm, my body's not ready to deliver this baby, I could be rushed into emergency C-section also because the heart rate and the, this and the, and all of those complications. So I always just, tell people that these are our personal experiences that we share and that they should make their own informed decisions and consult with their medical team. And if they have a doula or a midwife, you know, working with them and come up with a team plan and just know what your options are. Yeah. Like what you said right there, like an informed decision, I feel like, and I don't want to speak for you, but like going into my first birth, I knew nothing and I was just letting people decide things for me. And I just, you know, want to tell my younger self and like all people out there, just, just learn and Mm -hmm. find out more information you can about this so that you can make the decision that's right for you. Let's, let's move on to talking about some of the issues that you treat. So Dr. Kat, how, well, did you always know that this is what you were going to do with your career? No, not at all. So I started out, I did, um, hospital-based outpatient. So I saw in outpatient setting adults and pediatrics largely. And then I would go into the hospital several times a week and see any patient from like the NICU, the ICU, the med surge floor. So any kind of diagnosis, any kind of age. Um, And I did that. I did that for like a decade, but we took that specialty course nine years ago. Yeah. So nine out of the 11 years, I like you know, tried to get pregnant and postpartum women to come into the clinic. So I did that. But I think it was like, right when I had a handful of pregnant women who had such a hard time getting to the clinic. So one in particular that broke my heart, she was very pregnant and a lot of pain, but she had a two year old. So like, what do I do? Can grandma come twice a week for two hours so that I can get therapy like that didn't work. Um, And then two, by the time I saw this woman, because the clinic was so busy, I literally put her in a wheelchair and brought her back to the evaluation room because her pain was so bad that she couldn't walk. So um, I didn't find out until five years into my career that I wanted to do it. And then five years later, I was like, there's no setting appropriate for these people. Like this is a whole group of people who are just not being taken care of. Like 100%. Like they crawl to the pediatrician appointment because their baby's not going to miss their doctor's appointments. And that's at two days, two weeks, two months, like 100%. I remember feeling like that, especially with after my first two, I was completely overwhelmed. I was healing, like my vagina was healing, like everything was like, you know, it was hard. And I'll never forget it. 
my kid, my kid, my son's first pediatrician appointment, the elevator was broken. I had to walk all the way up. I'm not kidding. Like, Wait a second. My vagina can't handle these stairs. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. So, okay. So you provide now concierge services is what you do. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So people can, can people come to your office? Because I'm receiving concierge services. Like just so everybody knows, I receive like Dr. Luli comes to my house. Can people, is there an office space where people can come if that's easier for them? So that's a great question. Yeah. Um, we do rent out rooms on occasion because mm-hmm. there are moms who say their kitchen is being redone or they live with their yeah. in-laws. Or there's a reason why they want to get out of the house. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have spaces for them. You all, I want to take a break and I want to take a moment to tell you about how lucky I feel to have found painless pregnancy. I started seeing Dr. Luli Diaz two weeks after I had my third baby, and I have honestly had the best recovery yet. At Painless Pregnancy, their belief is that their services should be the standard of care for every woman, especially pregnant and postpartum women. Some of the issues that they treat are diastasis recti, back pain, hip pain, pelvic pain. They treat pubic dysfunction, numbness and tingling in your arms or legs. They treat general aches and pains, headaches and neck pain. They treat difficulty walking or having a severe waddling gait. They treat balance issues and urinary or fecal incontinence. They help treat pain with sex or other pelvic issues. And they treat prolapse among so many other issues. Pregnant women should not wait until they are actually in pain or dysfunction to see the incredible therapists at painless pregnancy. So many women think that the issues I mentioned are normal or that there is no solution or that their only solution is to have surgery, but that's simply not true. Working with the therapists at painless pregnancy can heal you. You all know that we must fill our own cup before we can pour from it. Make your prenatal and postpartum health a priority today by booking an appointment with Painless Pregnancy. You can head on over to www.painless-pregnancy.com and use my code NikkiSpo10 for 10% off of your initial in-home evaluation visit. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. Okay. And so Dr. Luli, like, what are we treating here? So like the scope of the practice, what exactly are the things that we treat? We are treating um, any range of from, we like to do from like wellness and prevention to dysfunction. Um, And that could be anywhere from before you're even thinking about getting pregnant up until 45, 50 years postpartum. You know, that's what we say. It is never too late to address these issues. Um, 
we love the idea of wellness and prevention because this is such a big moment in your life. Uh, you know, getting pregnant, having a child, bringing a baby, like it, another life into this world. It's just such a big deal. And our body goes through so much. Um, and I don't think it's acknowledged, you know, it's just like something that happens and yes, your body is capable of doing it. And, and, you know, it's not a medical necessarily thing, but, you know, a lot of us have very sedentary lives. Like we're sitting or we're working all day or we're, you know, we're not very active. So what our bodies were back in the day when we were just like having babies and like, you know, living as like nomads or whatever is different than we are now. So um, we need to, we want to be able to support women throughout their pregnancy um, and then throughout their postpartum journey so that they can, you know, have good experiences. Like our little line is until every pain, pregnancy is painless. Like pregnancy should not be a painful situation. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you are in pain when you're you're pregnant, your body's trying to tell you something. Yes. You know, something is off, something is wrong and, you know, we can make it better. So when you when you talk about um in early preparation, mm -hmm. like how early do you mean? So in like my perfect world, yeah. yeah. In my perfect world, you find out you're pregnant and you make an OB appointment in the first, like, what, seven, eight weeks? Yeah, right. And then you see the OB once a month throughout your pregnancy. And then at the end, you see them more often. It should be the same with a physical therapist. We should, you should call us when you find out you're pregnant. We should evaluate you, see where your body's at, see where you might have deficits, where you're stronger, where you have less mobility. Um, and then we should work with you once a month get you on a good program to feel good, feel strong. And then towards the end of the pregnancy, we do birth preparation. Like you were talking about that midwife that taught you how to push. We do that with our moms. Um, based on their particular anatomy, we do different stretches. We do different mobilizations with their hips and we teach them how to push. And then we even go over like effective positions to push. So like, I don't know if you have more tight hips. Like, you know how they say like, oh, your hips are very narrow, so you won't be able to push out a big baby. We'll work with you so that your hips have that mobility so you can push out that big baby. You know, so that would be, and then we love to see two weeks, one to two weeks mm -hmm. postpartum. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think I got you. I think I started working with you guys two weeks postpartum. Yeah. yeah two That's weeks. Perfect. That's like perfect, that. perfect because your body just like you did more than a marathon, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. um, and then we're that first session. I don't know if you remember, cause it's kind of a fog when the baby's so little, but it's like a feel good session. And it's just like bringing your body back into alignment. And I think I remember as I was working with you, you were like, uh, you know what I mean? And like your body just like melts a little bit and you just, you feel good. Yeah. And it's, I think the first time someone taking care of you yes. instead of worrying about your baby. Obviously, I talk a lot about how I had two vaginal deliveries and now the C-section. Dr. Lulu, you and I are currently working on like the scar tissue and the fascia surrounding my C-section scar, but also revisiting some of my hip instability, which had been exacerbated by my two vaginal deliveries. So first, I want to know why is it important, and either one of you can answer this question, why is it important to treat the scar area for cesarean moms? I would say, if I can give a quick example, um, one diagnosis that I saw a lot in the hospital is a total knee replacement. And if you've seen those, those scars are massive from above your kneecap to below, and they're thick. Um, the main goal is to get that knee to bend. 
And once we started, we like the clinic I worked at really including the massage and the soft tissue release around that scar, the knee moved so much quicker. So that experience burned in my head. And then I noticed, so one, a lot of moms talk about um, the shelf. They call it like a shelf. They stand up after a C-section and you feel like the top, you know, you like an overhang. Yes. It's glued in and the rest of the belly hangs over. Um, That's like a lack of mobility. So if you can have a scar, but if it heals with all the layers sticking to each other, instead of being able to move within, then you're going to have, I mean, it can be functional, but it can be funky looking. Um, the other thing too, is that scar is deep and low. So your hips have a chance of being involved, your organ mobility. So we still use our uterus. Like I have no intention of creating more people, <laughs> but- Uterus needs to grow and shed every month. So I'm still asking for things of this organ that's been cut through, right? So you have to be able to move it for freedom. And your bladder. Oh my gosh, your bladder. Your bladder is like right there, like where they cut. Should we show her how close it is? Show me. I love that you guys have all this stuff. (laughs) So like your bladder is right under your uterus. Uterus. Uh And then. Is that how big a uterus is supposed to be? When it's at- size of your fist, yeah. Oh, that looks like a miniature uterus. I feel like mine is the size of a big old balloon right now. This is yours is probably back to normal now. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. Should be. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So cut. That's your bladder. Where you cut ovaries, uterus, and then bladder. So and then there's like a lot of fascial sheaths that connect the two organs together. So think of saran wrap. Mm -hmm. You know when you saran wrap over meat, that's like what your fascia is. It's like the wrapping of your organs and muscles and stuff. Okay. That's a good visual. So for those of you who are not tuning into the video version of this episode, we're looking, we're thinking about fascia as putting saran wrap over a piece of meat. That's what the fascia is. Yeah. Yeah. So these two organs sit right inside, like they're almost parallel, the bladder to your pubic bone, that lowest bone in your body. And if that bone has hurt you before, you know exactly where it is. Yeah, so totally. when they when they that cut, bone hurt me during preg during during this pregnancy. Yeah, that's you really- a lot of tension on my pubic bone. I was like, oh. yeah. and so it's right there, so it goes deep. But I mean, like you can see, your pelvic floor muscles are all hugging your holding your uterus, your hip flexors. So I mean, there's just sorry, the colon may fall out. There's <laughs> just so many structures that are involved. Right there. Yeah. Anatomically speaking, super, super yeah. close. So when they cut for the C-section, they cut like right on that uterus and they cut through seven layers of tissue and not necessarily cut, but they go through seven layers of tissue. And when it heals, it doesn't necessarily heal each layer independently. Right. Sometimes like when it, again, like the, I'm such a visual person. Um, if you think of a plastic bag, have you ever like by accident left it on the stovetop and it melts together and it kind of just bunches up in the wrong places? I've never done that, but I can imagine it. I am the bad person that does that. You would totally do that. Excuse me, Dr. Lily. (laughs) I don't know you put plastic bags on fire. I have three kids. It get a little bit okay, yeah, no, shit, shit happens. We get it. Okay, so you melted the bag and that's what it happens. And now that relates to the work that you do. I love this conversation. <laughs> so it just melts and it doesn't necessarily seal how it should. So the same thing happens with your scar tissue. Each layer doesn't heal independently. So we want to make sure that as it heals, we're doing the soft tissue massage 
to break up the adhesions between each layer of tissue. I mean, I have to tell you, like I'm seven weeks postpartum and obviously like, yes, like my genetics play a role and I was a fit and healthy and active person from before. And I always have been my whole life. And I'm, I, eat pretty clean now. I'm not by any means like starving myself, but I will say that I do not really, I don't have that shelf happening right now. And we've been working at that every week. We've been working at it. And we started with like some lymphatic stuff to get the swelling done. Also, like I know if you don't mind sharing, like you had some numbness, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's another thing that I do want to talk about. Like the numb, like the scar being numb. Yeah. And that happens for a lot of people because you're cutting through nerves, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, numb. And then also like the aversion, like a lot of people, they're like, don't want to touch it. It grosses them out. They they just have like a bad, you didn't really have any of that because I think you prepared so well for your C-section. Oh my God, I was like, like, this is my C-section. Like emotionally, psychologically, like I went into having a C-section in a really, really good place. Like I did a whole podcast episode about how I I prepared to have my C-section. So I don't personally have a lot of trauma about number one, having a C-section or my scar. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I did that. But in your line of work, I'm sure you've come across so many women who have had traumatic C-section experiences. So Dr. Kat, how do you, how do you go up against something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do find that at any point in the birthing process, if that birthing mom feels or hears or sees anything that can be interpreted as emergent or traumatic. So we freeze, you know how the neurological response, like if there's a danger, you fight, flight, flight or freeze. <laughs> um, our tissues do the same thing. So like, say if we have a mom who had some kind of trauma or scare while they were pushing, their hips can get stuck in the birthing pattern. So, you know, this is the back of a pelvis. This is the back of your pelvis. Your hip bones, your sit bones come way apart. And do you mind with my tailbone, please? Can you move it? Um, The tailbone comes way out. And you see how much more space there is there? Those bones separating, that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. That's how the baby can exit. Um, They can get frozen like that. And so same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So just orthopedically, I mean, those bones get stuck but we, we touch so much and we feel yeah. with our hands and we connect with these women that we know that there's some like energetic holding there. And so it's a normal response in our bodies. If we see experience danger, we freeze. Um, so same with the C-section. If it's an emergent situation, mm-hmm. the tissues in the abdomen, the tissue, like their whole neurology is different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're not mental health counselors yeah. by any means, But we do really show up fully for these women in their rehab. So we'll do the soft tissue work. We'll do the bone releasing. But then we can even just give them really simple strategies. Uh, Can we share one here? Like use. Um, So we can lay our hands on a scar that's from trauma or um, interruptive. And we can just say, I want to ask these tissues to release any trauma or tension that they hold knowing that you're safe and your baby is safe and he's out. And so even just like, I mean, those are words, right? That's, but words with touch and then giving mom permission. She might not even know. It might just kind of be over here that she's frozen and she's still like processing. So she's going to have to still process, right? There's other professionals for that, but 
giving those tissues permission to relax and then start their healing journey has been a game changer. A couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was going through menopause at the time. And she was confiding in me that having sex with her partner had become so painful. And this was a while ago, and I feel like people weren't as open about it as they are now, but I could see her despair and her frustration and almost like her shame. And I I distinctly remember her trying to change the subject really quickly by saying like, oh, but you're so young. You don't want to hear, you don't want to hear about all that drama. And I remember thinking, wait, wait, wait no, I want to hear about the drama so I can help myself. Like, I don't want to have, I want to have sex for a long time in my life, like <laughs> without it being painful. So it's so wild how the, how like life works and fast forward to so many years later, here we are, I'm connecting with you and we're able to have this conversation. There's two questions on this. Why does this pain exist specifically for menopausal women? So um, this area of aging has a lot to do with hormone shift, right? And so from my understanding, it's the lack of estrogen that causes the vaginal tissue to atrophy and dry up. So it's those two components. The, the tissues are not as plump and the um, area is not as well lubricated. And is this something that you are able to treat? Yeah. So 100%. we treat that all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because like, then there's like, you know, there's these pills like that will help you and just take and just have a bunch of lube and like, you know, but like, what is it, the underlying treatment? Like, so we, like there's superficial treatments for everything, obviously like medication and medicine in general, thank goodness we have it and that we can treat certain, like certain ailments with medication, but how do you treat it naturally? We love to take like a multidisciplinary approach. We work a lot hand in hand with gynecologists, obstetrician, urogynecologists. Yeah. And what we found is when you work as a team to address this kind of issue is when you have the most success. Um, because sometimes you do need like some hormone replacement, but it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, ingested. Like some of these women do great with just topical estrogen or, you know, or they do good with some kind of, um, like more direct approach to the area as far as injections or something like that versus like a systemic thing. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the main thing is really to figure out why, like what is the cause of the problem? Fix that instead of trying to put band-aids here and there and like hold everything together. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so funny. I had a mom tell me, she's like, I'm holding it together with glitter glue and and, and band-aids. And I was like, oh my God, that just stayed like in my head so much because I could feel like oh that. She's like, glitter glue and band-aids. And like, like trying to smile. Like I, I, I like give her that because she's like yeah. trying to make it cute. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. so many of us women try to do that. Like the your friend, you know, she's probably like, ha ha, it hurts so much. And like, we try to laugh it off. Like yeah. it's a big deal or we're like oh it's just normal this is part of my life right and like this the rite of passage and it's not so um that multidisciplinary approach i think is the most helpful and then what we do like specifically is we work with the bones so again because we're such visual people all um, these bones have the muscles attaching to them so like you can see yeah, like they're attaching everywhere. So if your bones aren't in the right place, it's going to pull and then there's going to be a stretch on that muscle. And, you know, just think of having a tight muscle and then something going into that tight muscle is going to be more painful. Um, another good analogy is like if you make a bicep, like flex your bicep and poke it. So go ahead and do that. Like it just and now relax your bicep and now relax your bicep and poke it. 
So it doesn't, it hurts when you flex your bicep and poke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you feel it more. Same thing. So if you have tight pelvic floor muscles, it's like those muscles are always flexed. So if you're trying to have penetrative sex, when that penetration is coming at a tight muscle, it's painful. We do is we try to get those muscles to relax so that it can be more enjoyable. A second part to this question is also is how common is it for premenopausal women to experience painful sex after having had children? I think the stat that I read is like eight and 10. Yeah, it's really high. Whoa. Really high. And it's fascinating too, because uh, we touched on this at the beginning. A lot of us feel like with a C-section, that area is spared. And so it is worth saying that C-sections have a lower rate of pain with intercourse, but it's not zero. And even less, so pain with intercourse is just one symptom. Like they have a lower rate of pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, but it's not nothing. Like they can still pee their pants. They can still pass gas or bowel when they don't want to. They can still have pain with intercourse, tailbone pain, all those things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really common postpartum. I th- I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is supported with research, but I have seen our age group premenopausal and like postpartum recover quicker with the interventions for pain with intercourse. Yeah. For our group, our population that we serve, this pain with intercourse isn't only like a conservative approach will get better, but it's quickly too. Right. Yeah. Usually. And then going back to that trauma, you know, um, and that like what you were saying at the beginning of like, when we just started, like, I don't want to have sex. Like I just like a whole person went through there. Like, you know what I mean? So just, there's so many things to think about. Yeah. Yes. And Uh just, just giving moms the space. I think that's like holding space for them and to feel safe and, and just talking about this. And, and like, sometimes just saying those words out loud, like I'm so scared or I'm not ready. And, and being like, you don't have to be like, just because you're cleared at six weeks doesn't mean like you got to jump back into exercise and sex and you know, all the things. It just means that your body has healed and it won't be dangerous for you. It doesn't mean you're ready, you know, and you know, that's a, a conversation you have to have with your partner. Yeah. I hope you guys are, are ready to get like really graphic here. Sure and way. yes, yeah. for the listeners, that's your heads up that we are going to get graphic. So if you don't <laughs> like that shit, you just, you know, pause for a minute, fast forward. Um, <laughs> we're going in right now. But uh, Dr. Lily, in your bio, you mentioned that you guys treat prolapse. And I don't think everybody even knows what that is. So go Um, ahead and define that for all of us who live under a rock and then tell us why the F this happens. Yeah. So prolapse is when your internal organs are coming out of your body through your vaginal opening. That's probably the best layman terms that could happen. Yeah. So there's different- That's crazy. Can we stop for a minute? That's crazy. Crazy. I know. I know it's, it's, and it's so scary. Like yeah. what my insides are literally falling out of my body. Yeah. That's prolapse oh my uh, and through your vagina, which is even more. Yeah. Horrifying. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. I think. As yeah. A, as a- no, it is. It is. Why does it happen? So many reasons. Yeah. Lots, yeah, of, reasons. lots of reasons, Let's but a few. basically, so our organs are suspended in our body by ligaments, by that fascia that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, they're held up and then our um, pelvic floor muscles are like a hammock, which is 
supporting it. So if we lose some of that elasticity of those um, ligaments, they start to hang lower. If our pelvic floor muscles are weak, aren't doing their job, they're not supporting those muscles. And then we also talked about the atrophy that can happen as you age of like the of your vagina. And then what happens is either your bladder, which is in the front, your bladder is in the front of your your pelvis. So you can either have a cystocele is when your bladder is coming out through your vagina. You can have a uterocele, which is when your uterus is like coming, this would be the vaginal opening, right? So when your uterus is falling into this opening, or you can have a rectocele. I don't know where our rectum went. We're just throwing body parts Here's around here. There you go. Where my rectum went. <laughs> yeah. Or here, like your rectum could be caving in to this like, cause they're right here. So it's when the rectum caves into the, the vaginal opening. So it could be one of the three, it could be all three, it could be two of the three. Um, and there's different degrees of it. Um, you, it's same as the tears, it's graded one through four. One is just that it's like low lying, two is that you're seeing it, but you don't come out three is that they're coming out at, the door. at yeah. the door and four is that they're all the way not the whole organ through but like they're bulging so if you're showering or you know wiping yourself and you feel a bulge coming out it could be a prolapse you know like this just hearing about this makes me so sad because i feel like once you if somebody were to get to that point i can just I can only imagine how hopeless they might feel, you know, like how frustrating and how hopeless. And again, like talking about the shame, you know, and we live in a very, I think it's getting better, but like all our lives for the most part, this is a male dominated world. And we're taught to like be pleasing to men. Right. And that is a lot of where our worth lies. I, I've talked about that. Like I, I'm, I would be lying to you if I said I didn't think about it when I was going to have two vaginal deliveries. I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to mess up sex for my husband? Or like, is this going to make, am I going to be loose? Am I going to be, you know, like, you know, I just, I think that women collectively were starting to move away from that and really take ownership of our bodies and knowing that sex isn't just about being pleasurable for men, but also for ourselves. And that pelvic floor health in general isn't about the dude or isn't about like your partner. It's about our personal well-being. After my firstborn, I bought vaginal weights on <laughs> on Amazon, <laughs> and there was a set of eight weights, right? And I'm like, man, my my vagina is. I'm good. Like I had this baby, but I bet you I am so good. So I was like, I went in. You know, if eight is like the heaviest and one is the lightest, I went in with like a number five or six. Okay. So I insert this vaginal weight in and I'm standing, you're supposed to hold, do it for 10 minutes. That, that's what the instructions say is like, try to hold the vaginal weight in for 10 minutes. I put that thing in and it just went pop to the floor. It fell right out and I cried, you guys, I cried. Right, and I was very humbled. I was like, maybe the pee isn't everything that I thought it was. I was like, that brought me down to earth really quickly. And I was like, maybe let me start with number one. So I did the number one and I will say, and this is where the hope comes into play. And this is like before your type of services were ever on my radar. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know shit. Like I'm like, vaginal weights is all you can do. So. I started with number one and I did my little exercises, my Kegels, and 
I worked my way up to the heaviest weight, you know, and, but it took a lot of patience. It took a lot, a lot of humility, right? I was like, okay, you know, we're not there yet. It was like, and it was true recovery. It was true recovery. And like, I share that story because I can laugh about it now and I don't have like shame or embarrassment about it. When at the time my son is almost five years old. Like, so that's almost five years ago. Like I did have a tremendous amount of shame and embarrassment and fear. And like, what if, like, what if my spouse, what if this bothers my spouse? And I just simply like, don't think that way anymore. And I want to see more women come into a space of that where they start to really take care of themselves for them. I, I mean, we hope so. That, that's really like, <laughs> that's the dream, Nikki. The, it really is. Like, I, yeah, I that is the dream. Going back to, like our personal stories, like I, the reason like I really do this is because so that nobody has to have an experience like I had, like nobody needs to do any no. of that. So if I can, and I know I'm like an extreme case, but like if, if just like one mom can avoid that, like I, I would be like, okay, I'm good. You know, like I did my job. You guys, I'm so happy to have you both on the show. Dr. Kat, Dr. Luli, you guys are amazing. Um, so remember, this is Painless Pregnancy. I'm going to include all the information in the show notes so that you can reach out to them. If you're, well, you guys serve up to up to how far north? Because you guys are in the Miami area. You serve all of the Miami-Dade County area. But how you go in either direction? Up to Palm Beach. Amazing. And for those of you who are listening out of state, like there are doctors and physical therapists like this out there. They do exist. Like get it on your radar, pay attention. This podcast should put this on your radar that you can find help in healing um, whatever stage you are at in the process. So I'm just so grateful to you both for sharing your wealth of knowledge with my audience. And hopefully we, by doing this together, we can help heal women all around us. Yes, that would be amazing. Would be yes, amazing. thank you for having us. Yeah. This was great. Pleasure. And for sharing, you know, our mission with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And for your vulnerability, because honestly, Nikki, it's because of women like you, yeah. this word gets spread more than it would have otherwise. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Big thank you to my friends at Painless Pregnancy who have helped me have a truly painless postpartum experience after my C-section. I am seriously so very grateful to have found them and I want every woman in town to know that these services exist and are available to them. Head on over to www.painless-pregnancy.com and use my code NikkiSpo10 for 10% off of your initial in-home evaluation visit. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code, the no glow for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you so much for listening to The No. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The No. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The No with Nikki Spo. 
My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. 